honestly at McGill I really had the classic I burnt out I had to take half a semester off because I was physically ill um, Vivian Lin former product manager at L'Oreal and current marketing manager at Amazon about like another culture shock <laughs> going from yeah, going from L'Oreal and Amazon I feel like they're both companies that are notorious for their unique culture Vivian shares her knowledge on adapting to new environments effectively and how to deal with culture shock deciding what you don't like is so important as well so just saying okay admitting to myself I tried I don't like it so let's move on Before we learn the stories of the past, shape your future, it would mean the world to me if you could follow us or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us. Enjoy the conversation. So, without any further ado, Brandon, let the stories of the past shape your future on the Quoting Life Podcast. I can, I can relate to that because my parents were also immigrants and I immigrated to Canada and I also have a younger brother who's two years younger, so... Right? Being so you like, kind of feel like a guinea pig sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm the test trial in a way. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the nicest way possible because, like, yeah. I get put through the We're, programs first. We pave and, like, roads here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, my brother's kind of following in my footsteps, taking my totally. advice. Totally. A lot yes. of that, those things. And I think it builds a lot of, like, resilience and yes. a lot of, like, character. What do you think? No, I get it. Or how how do you deal with like these situations? Like, I know sometimes the process is like hard to figure out. Like, do you ever have something you fall back on to keep you like in touch with the present self and not to like worry about like everything that's up ahead, all the like struggles and whatnot? Yeah, obviously, I feel like we all have pressures in different way, whether or not you're an immigrant or you are first generation or second. I think it's always really stressful when you're going into university and you're going through the whole process um, and also just not knowing what you even want to do with your degree. So I just want to acknowledge like, yes, the stress is always going to be there, but the best way that I usually manage this and navigate this is to ha try to have like a plan A, B, C um, to be able to fall back on because then mentally you're telling yourself, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, there's always these other things um, that I can fall back on. So to really summarize, I guess it's more just having a mindset of abundance rather than just on scarcity mode at all times. Yeah. So, for example, when I was at university, I went to McGill, um, I studied sciences, um, and a lot of my peers, they were very much like, okay, science, research, med school, like, that's a straight line, there is no other option, I'm getting into med school or, or else. Um, so, I kind of felt differently. I was like, okay, well, obviously, I'll do research, um, I did neuroscience research, and then, hey, if that doesn't work out, there's so many other things. I could do research. I don't even need to stay within science. Like, I can do business. I can do a lot of different things. So it's really just that mindset of abundance and obviously, like, having a lot of different plan A, Bs, and Cs. That's so interesting that you say that. Even I went to a high school where if you ask the class, oh, who wants to be a doctor when they grow up? 
eighty percent of the kids raised their hands. I know so it was it was ridiculous, and yeah, I find it so interesting that already at a young age you have that mindset of oh, there's always something else. Do you think that stems from anyone in, in your circle? Like, did your parents have that mindset, or did you develop it by yourself? I honestly don't know. I think I'm at the core just a very optimistic person, um, and for me. It's just I'm also very flexible, and I think me as a person, I just have so many hobbies, and I just like so many different things. For me, I see my career. There's what we work for forty, forty-five years. It would just be so boring if we're doing one thing、um, forever. Obviously, if you're a doctor, that's different.、Um, but for me, it's like okay, well, I have forty-five years to try different careers. Why stay in just one? So, I think. I to answer your question, it's mo mostly maybe a character flaw. I'm I'm just easily bored, and I love having a lot of different activities. Even in my personal life, I'm always the person that's dragging my group of friends to do just random activities.、Um, so yeah, I think I apply that to my career. <laughs> I feel like to a degree, me and Brandon also like that, or just like to try.、Right? Should be things, and we have a lot of like high curiosity, and probably you can link curiosity to to an abundance mindset for sure. Yeah, I think something that really exemplifies your mindset of abundance is when you went to McGill and got a bachelor's in science with a major in biochemistry and minor in biotechnology, and you were a researcher and you did computational neuroscience, and afterwards. Um, I believe it was when you graduated, you moved to the tr more traditional business world. So, what、mm -hmm. made you like go into that switch? And for for normal people out there, or for the majority of people, I'd say it must take a lot of conviction to really change a field where you've spent like four or five years、yeah. studying and jumping into something that very. That differs a lot. Yeah, no, I think for me,、um, when I was at McGill, yes, I spent a lot of time studying biochemistry, but it goes back to my story of I have always wanted to try new things. So, to give you guys context, I went into McGill. I said, okay, cool, like I'm gonna do biochemistry. I feel like that is something that I want to try. Um, but in the back of my head, I've always felt an interest towards business. It was more of a decision between okay, do I want to study science or do I want to study business? And ultimately, I decided on science because I felt like science you kind of have to go to school for for sure if you ever even want to have any doors open to you if you ever want to do science. Whereas with business, I felt like I could somehow network. Um, and also learn on the job, and within my major within biotechnology, I took tech management, so I was still able to touch a lot of business courses, and I could still attend business courses. So I kind of decided to go that route,、um, and then once I did get into computational neuroscience, I did that for about two years. I honestly, to be very transparent, decided that I. Absolutely hate research.、Um, I thought I liked it, and honestly, I tried a lot of different research fields. Okay, I tried psychology. I tried clinical biochemist before I even 
started working for two years in uh, computational neuroscience. So it wasn't the lab work that I hated and it wasn't the subject matter that I studied that I didn't like. And I truly, I felt like I tried all three. And so I gave it a chance. I didn't like it. And I said, okay, well, I still like studying sciences. I just don't like applying sciences within research um, or med school. And I've always been interested in beauty and in business. So it was just a way of pivoting and honestly deciding what you don't like is so important as well. So just saying, okay, admitting to myself, I tried, I don't like it. So let's move on. Um, and that's somehow I networked my way to Brandstorm, which was a L'Oreal case competition. And I met two girls who I am still friends with today. And we did Brandstorm together. Um, and honestly, they were just my crash course teachers in marketing and business because we did the entire brandstorm together for like six months. And that was really where I learned a lot. And eventually I competed and then got an internship at L'Oreal where I met so many other business students. Um, I was actually the only person who studied sciences in my internship cohort that year. So again, just learning from my cohort and eventually getting into L'Oreal full-time as a product manager. If you were to go back to and was able to go through your high school school and university experience again, what would you have done differently if you were to do anything differently at all? Um, I don't think I have any regrets in terms of how I did high school, because I did IB, the International Bachelorette Program, um, Baccalaureate, yeah, International Baccalaureate yeah. <laughs> um, Program. And then afterwards I did McGill and I chose to do science. I don't have any regrets, but I'm not going to lie. I think during university was honestly the best of times and the worst of times. Like the best was being able to meet a lot of people, but it was really hard being in biochemistry and ultimately deciding, okay, I think this is a very hard major. I don't know if I'm going to apply this forever. Um, do I love science and the field? Yes. Do I love studying organic chemistry? No. So that was really hard and I definitely failed a couple of classes and had to deal with a lot of just self-esteem also as well just because coming from a high achieving background within high school and then being launched into sciences so again I struggled academically um and it was just really weird having a background within academics and then also struggling within academics but at the same time within extracurriculars I was really seeing success within science itself. So I just had a lot of very conflicting times at McGill, but all of that made me just a better person, I would say. I would say the second thing that McGill has shaped me into is also being able to deal with stress. Um, even now in my career, I'll think back, and if I'm stressed at currently within my job, I'll think back and ask myself, could it be worse? Can I be more stressed? And the answer is yes, because it was honestly 
the most stressful time going to McGill and juggling all of the decisions and the unknown and juggling extracurriculars and then studying biochemistry. So yeah, I just want to be transparent with that. <laughs> you mentioned like stress there. And I think that's something, you know, everybody goes through in life. And but I think, you know, something that's different is how people learn to manage it. And that's that's probably the differentiator. Did you find any tricks and tips yeah. over the years that made you help, you know, that helped you manage that stress? And did you have like the classic story arc of really burning out and then figuring out that this needs to be controlled? Or did you have a more steady approach to it? Yeah, no, honestly, at McGill, I really had the classic, I burnt out, I had to take half a semester off because I was physically ill, um, just from the burnout. So I really didn't realize and I, and honestly, it was my first time dealing with stress at that time when I was in university, because I didn't feel that way in high school. And so I really didn't know what the warning signs was, were and anyways for burnout. And I really didn't realize until I was already super sick. I couldn't go to class. I had a doctor's note saying that I had to take a semester off. Um, yeah, and during that semester, it was a lot of burnout and a lot of mental health that I had to learn to cope with. So I would to answer your question. It was very much a classic story of not realizing that I took on too much and then becoming super paralyzed and then eventually burning out. And then, yeah. <laughs> and how did you, did you get yeah. over it? And that process I can somewhat relate to. So I just finished my first year of university and when jumping in, I decided to like, hey, let's get a position on like four to five clubs. However, as the year rolled on, the workload, like, the burden became more and more. And at the end of it, by the end of first year, I was, I've decided that for next year, this is something that's probably not sustainable. I'm not deriving as much value as I thought I would. And I probably wouldn't do the same thing again next year. So I really had to, like, go through the process of trying it out and then figuring it out. and. I think yeah. it's a similar process for you, how like you got into business, like you tried it out, you figured it out, and you were able to learn from a lot of people, and you got your position at L'Oreal. And what's the experience kind of like working for a business company rather than some organization that um, dabbles in sciences? Yeah, there was so honestly, it was such a culture shock going from pure science, to like a lab, I was wearing a lab coat, I had to wear closed toed shoes to L'Oreal, where I'm in an internship, um, we're wearing business casual, we're in a business environment, it's very corporate. So it was such a culture shock. I remember just my first day in my internship. And they said, okay, cool, like you're going to be on CeraVe, you're going to be the only intern, and the project for you is launching CeraVe within the Canadian context. And I was like, cool. <laughs> okay, like what's the next steps? And the day before, I was literally saying goodbye to my prof, who was my PI um, at the lab. And I took off my lab coat, I had to wear just I had to have my hair up. I, I was in an actual lab. So it was honestly such a culture shock. 
Um, but the transition was not easy. I remember talking to a lot of my internship cohort and saying like, oh, did you guys take power? Do you guys use PowerPoint? Do you guys use Excel? And they're looking at me like, of course, we have courses on that. And I'm like, oh, okay, I've never touched PowerPoint in my life. <laughs> or like, what is a pivot table on Excel? So that's like really where I was at <laughs> the first day of my internship. Um, but again, you just have to jump into it and just anything you do at that point, because you're starting seriously at zero is honestly always value added because it's always a step forward at that point. Right. So just, that's, you think that discrepancy helped you because often what I realize is innovators or industry changers come from different backgrounds than that industry itself, because they just bring such a different perspective. Yeah. Do you think like you had certain elements to yourself during like, even now to this day where you see things a bit differently and that helps you out. I think so. I think in sciences, we're all very logical. There's a way and there's definitely steps to doing certain experiments and you look at certain things like experiment versus control. So I think I do apply a lot of my scientific background even to business. And for example, when I was at when I was an intern at CeraVe, even to this day when I'm at Amazon, I look at the problem as a problem and then I'll kind of work backwards. So for example, like, okay, we need to reach a certain customer within CeraVe within Canada. So then my immediate next steps are, okay, so working backwards, what's our part, like, what's our target population? What is quantifying our population? And from there, I'll cross-reference with, you know, let's say the data that we have in Stats Canada to say, okay, so we physically have actually these number of Canadians. Now that I have this target audience how can i move backwards where are they how can i target them and all of the above like how much are they earning per year so i think for me it's very numbers based it's very logical and i just work backwards and that very much helps me in my current position as a marketing manager and it helped me when i was at l'oreal because i didn't just bring in marketing I think I really brought in just problem solving and working backwards and having a step-by-step -step process towards solving that problem instead of, oh, how are we going to launch this product? How are we going to market to them? Yeah. So Amazon and L'Oreal, they're two of the biggest brands that we know today. I'm curious, how do the best practices differ between these two companies? Yeah, talk about like another culture shock <laughs> going from yeah, going from L'Oreal and Amazon. I feel like they're both companies that are notorious for their unique culture, whatever that may be. It's just so different. Um I I feel like at L'Oreal we are beauty, we're marketing, we're also um marketing managers. So we really rely on PowerPoint and showing decks visually so imagine my surprise when i get into amazon and they're like we've banned powerpoint since 2017 <laughs> like we only write docs like i have to now wow. be like eloquent illiterate through writing <laughs> so i was really culture shocked um and 
I think that's a really good story of how I felt just going from L'Oreal to Amazon. It was a huge culture shock. It seems like you what? embrace shock well, even whether it be from like research to you know business and then from L'Oreal to Amazon. Is there any trait you would attribute to being able to handle that those types of shocks and adapting quickly? Yeah, I would say I think using a lot of just making sure you're surrounded by people who are in the know at your new company or your new job, but are actually outside of your immediate job hierarchy is so helpful because I would save all of my what I thought were dumb questions to the people who are helping me outside of my immediate team hierarchy. And then once I have those questions answered, I'll kind of have an idea of what to ask my actual manager. And so that has really helped me just compartmentalize like, okay, this person is my third party objective <laughs> mentor. And then my actual manager who I will and I will actually learn something from and also ask the questions that I know are good questions too. So it's that has helped me. The the two cultures seem pretty drastically different and you explained it as a culture shock. But how do you see both of them succeeding? Yeah, I think both of them have a, both L'Oreal and Amazon, as different as they might be, as culture shock between the two companies as I was, they were definitely similar in a couple of ways. The first way is that they very much have entrepreneurial mindsets within individuals, but with a corporate cushion. <laughs> so I would say the individuals are encouraged to be entrepreneurial, to be scrappy, to feel like a startup, but they're both obviously multinational um, companies with the corporate financing to be able to have those crazy ideas and to finance those crazy ideas. So I think both L'Oreal and Amazon are very similar in that way, um, in that the team that you're on feels like a startup and it's very much encouraged. Um, and the second one is being consumer centric. I think for L'Oreal, you hear about it all the time. It's like, okay, be consumer centric, start from the consumer. When I was talking about starting from the problem in the beginning, the person that we want to solve at L'Oreal is the consumer and the consumer pain point. Whereas at Amazon, it's so similar. They just call it the customer. It's like, okay, what is the, what does the customer want and what are the customer needs? We want to solve for that and then work backwards. So L'Oreal and Amazon are exactly the way in that they both start their problem that they want to solve with either what they call the consumer at L'Oreal or the customer at Amazon. So those are the two, I would say, that are exactly the same. And now that you're at Amazon, obviously AI is being talked about it a lot. And I found it so interesting that you do have experience in machine learning AI. So maybe you could provide a bit of an insight on how a company like Amazon is tackling AI and then also that for one, and then maybe expanding on how do you think AI is going to affect the industry, um, the world, maybe even as, as a whole? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's very interesting because obviously coming from a research background in AI, I never really saw it within 
a context that's outside of academia, but when I was at L'Oreal and now at Amazon, I see it so clearly being used and it ties together with sort of how Amazon, um, I was talking about looking at the customer first. So we use AI to really look at what the customer want and it could be like who our customer is or it could just mean getting even better at reaching our target customer um, by using AI. So we have a lot of models where we do run machine learning models to be able to learn the customer's purchasing behavior, how they shop to make sure that it's easier for their shopping experience within uh, amazon.com or even online and offline and making that bridge between their shopping experience online and making returns offline or the delivery offline. So that's really, really helpful. And it's always learning. And that's, I think, what I personally use AI for within my role at Amazon. Yeah. And to answer your question on in terms of how AI might implicate our jobs, I personally don't currently, presently, I don't see that um, happening within my role because I would say there's a lot of human elements to it um, within marketing and within sales. It's very much a human variable role. Um, but I do see it being helpful to us in terms of the tools that we use. Um, For example, the targeting that has been really helpful, being able to just have a machine learn the different uh, customer behaviors. I wanna see more of that within my role. I wanna be able to see marketing campaigns or even uh, sales being able to reach the better audience because that's actually the biggest pain point for Um, marketing currently within my role is, okay, are we reaching the right audience? How do we know we're reaching the right audience? So I can see the machine learning better and also um, the AI being able to help us in that way. And I do welcome that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. You put it more as, use it as a tool, right, Brandon? Like even we, you know, we use it more as a tool, whether it's to help us do like research or structuring with mm-hmm. ChatGPT, or then even we've used Autopod recently to edit one of our podcasts and it's quite amazing. So I think maybe that's the mindset people need to have is, okay, how can we use this tool? Yeah, it's going to happen. How are we going to use it to our advantage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I agree. Yeah, um, as the podcast is nearing the end, as per tradition, we like to get your thoughts on a quote shared by the previous guest. And this guest is coming from a top 25 lawyer in Canada. And I think it's very applicable to the culture shock theme that we had throughout the conversation. And the quote goes, everything works out in the end. It always has and always will. What are your thoughts? I really do agree. I think um, having, again, when we talked about having optimism, having that mindset of abundance, part of that is knowing that one way or another, something is happening for a reason and you just have to look at it like, okay, what is the message and why am I going through an experience like this? Um, And what can I get out of this in terms of learning and how can I use it for the future? 
Um, everything happens for a reason, and I know for sure and agree a hundred percent that it's going to work out. If you feel like it's something negative, even for when I was going through my burnout, I didn't real. It was super negative in the end, but currently I use that burnout experience to really give myself a benchmark of okay, am I getting to that point? Could it be? Am I really stressed right now? Have I been more stressed before? It was just something that. Had to happen to give me a benchmark for myself now to be able to have sort of a litmus test of how my feelings are happening and if I'm approaching a burnout and whether or not like what I can do to deal with that. So I agree with that.